Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I want to talk about dealing with overwhelm using self-talk tools. So this is not going to be like a practical, make a to-do list of all the things that you have to get done today and then cross off that list because I feel like there are plenty of blog posts and resources out there online. So I want to address more of the mindset behind overwhelm and how to deal with that instead. So I have been feeling incredibly overwhelmed ever since I got back from Costa Rica. I hosted this incredible self-love retreat and I felt so high on life. And then I came home and as that high dwindled, I found myself feeling very overwhelmed with this never-ending to-do list and all these big hopes and dreams and just everything that I want to accomplish, whether in regards to a future retreat or even recording podcast episodes, like I'm totally recording this last minute because last week when I was supposed to be recording this, I was just, I couldn't even function because I felt like there was so much to do that it was nearly paralyzing. And I use that word very carefully. I know that that's not the most PC word and I apologize for the ableist language, but I'm trying to find a word to portray that feeling of when you're so stressed and overwhelmed and even anxious, which I don't get anxiety that often, or at least it doesn't show up in like the stereotypical way. But last week it was like borderline anxiety where 
I knew that I had all these things that I had to do, but I couldn't do any of them because it was all just too much. So I found myself just laying on the couch watching TV and sleeping in and not being able to get out of bed in the mornings and just feeling so exhausted because my self-talk was so harsh and loud. And all of that is emotionally exhausting. So that's why I use the word paralyzing because it's that feeling of when you want to, but you can't. And when you know you have to, but you can't bring yourself to do it. So here's what I've kind of come to find out as I've been navigating through this for myself is that overwhelm has very little to do with your actual to-do list. Like if I were to sit down and write down all the things on my mind, which I did, and I do a brain dump almost every single day, and especially when I'm overwhelmed, when I like take a third person perspective, like an objective look at that to-do list, I realize that half those things I don't need to do. And I especially don't need to do right now, right away. Usually that to-do list is a mix between things that are urgent or are important or things that feel urgent and feel important. If you don't know the difference between urgent and important, there's something called... I forgot what they call it, but I call it the urgent important matrix. But basically it's like knowing the distinction between does something feel so pressing and important because it's urgent, like you need to pay that bill today. And so it just feels so important when in reality, like even if you pay the bill tomorrow, it'll be fine. Or is it important as in, is it this like big project or something that's going to make a difference in all the other things that you do or something that is more like proactive, right? Like for example, going to therapy. That's probably something that's important, but it's not necessarily urgent because it'll be fine if you don't do it today right away, but it's important that you probably should prioritize it and put it into your daily schedule. I feel like I butchered that explanation and I feel like the paying the bill thing was not a great example either. But sometimes like something like paying the bills, it feels really, really important. And don't get me wrong, it is important in some ways, but mostly it's urgent. It's not necessarily something that's going to forward your big hopes and dreams and goals and everything that you want to achieve in life, right? It's just something that you kind of have to check off your to-do list. So that's urgent. That's not necessarily important in the way that I'm defining it right now. Whereas important things are things that you that you have to like motivate yourself to be proactive about because they're going to make a huge difference in the long run. But technically, the only person you're accountable to is yourself. So technically, you could keep procrastinating it your whole life. And that's why a lot of people don't get the important things done because they're not good at staying accountable to themselves and they're not good at prioritizing the important because they're so caught up in the urgent, the to-do list, the errand, the calling somebody back instead of being like, no, this is my time and I have to prioritize what's important. So anyways, I told you I wouldn't get into the practical <laughs> stuff of dealing with overwhelm, but I guess that's just like a little sidebar that it is really important to determine what's urgent and what's important and not mix up those two and have dedicated time to take care of each. But usually when you're in a mindset of overwhelm, everything feels urgent and important all at once. And it's even hard to distinguish 
because it's just all so much. So anyways, as you write this all down, like everything that's on your mind, including your to-do list, including your big five-year, 10-year hopes and dreams and things you feel like you need to do right away or else you're a failure and all the self-talk that goes into that, if you take a look at that brain dump, you'll notice that half of those things can be eliminated, at least half of those things. And maybe you're busier than I am, or I don't know your exact situation. But for me personally, I'm juggling a lot of projects. And when I brained up, I realized that I overestimate both the urgency and the importance of a lot of the things on that list, which means that overwhelm has very little to do what you actually have to get done today, this week, at this very moment, and more to do with the self-talk that's around that large to-do list or the way that you're approaching all of these things that you're juggling in life and what you're making that mean about you. So I want to reiterate this little paragraph in case you want to write it down or brain tattoo it. Usually, overwhelm has little to do with your current to-do list. Sure, there can be some overlap between feeling overwhelmed and having a lot of things to do. But usually what actually happens is that a long to-do list triggers this mindset of overwhelm. So you're thinking about all these things and you see the to-do list that's a million miles long and you see your unread text messages and your emails and you lay up awake at night thinking about everything that needs to be done and there's just no time to do. And because of that, it triggers a mindset of overwhelm where, again, it's really hard to differentiate between what's urgent and what's important. And it's really hard to just take it one step at a time because you're so caught up in that mindset. So what is that mindset? What is that mindset of overwhelm? Well, mindset in general is just a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and how you make sense of yourself. So in simple terms, what are you making this overwhelm mean about you personally? What's the meaning that you're attaching to this feeling? What beliefs are you attaching to the overwhelm? So for example, say you're juggling a lot. And instead of saying to yourself, I'm juggling a lot right now, so I'm going to take a breath and take it one step at a time and I'll get through it. It'll be okay. Instead, you start thinking or saying to yourself things like, if I don't accomplish all these things, then I'll be letting people down. Or if I don't accomplish all these things perfectly, then I'm going to let myself down. Or I don't deserve to rest because I need to earn my rest. I just need to finish all this stuff and then I can rest. Notice how a lot of these things, all of these things, the self-talk is all about the meaning, the beliefs, the story that you're attaching to feeling overwhelmed. And so we start, our self-talk just kind of starts spiraling around this narrative that I'm overwhelmed and it's making it mean all these negative things about me, which are ultimately preventing me from feeling empowered and calm and taking it one day at a time, right? So some other beliefs that could be coming up is if I don't work hard, then I'm a failure. Everybody else is working harder than I am and I'm just lazy. Or my worth comes from my work and I need to work more to prove or to earn my worth. 
This next one is a big one for my caretakers or parents or recovering codependents, (laughs) if you're like me. This belief is they need me. Everything will fall apart without me. That is a belief. I'll get into how to deconstruct that belief later, but that's often something that is a byproduct of overwhelm is you you start telling yourself this and you start believing it and you start making up all these things that it means about you. Another belief is I need to be in control. If I can't control it, then it'll all go to shit. (laughs) That's a big one for my fellow recovery warriors is that we feel like we always have to be in control of everything and we have a hard time letting go and going with the flow. I did do an episode about how to let go of control and how to live more in the flow and really invite in that mindset of surrender. I posted that back in January, so I apologize. I don't know exactly what episode number it is. But if you scroll back to January of 2021, you'll see an episode that's called Letting Go of Control and Perfectionism. And that'll really help you if you're struggling with that in particular. But that's a big belief when it comes to overwhelm, right? Is that you want to you wanna be in control. You want to get all your shit together. You want to have your ducks in a row. And if you're anything like me, my ducks are always at a rave. So <laughs> this is a chronic thing where I always feel like I have to like fight to regain control. When in reality, again, we'll get to this later, but in reality, you have to just admit to yourself that so many things are outside of your control and you're running yourself in a rat race by trying to constantly regain control because control is an illusion (laughs) and everything that you think is in control is actually so much outside of your control. I read this funny quote just last night, actually, that was like, if you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. (laughs) And I thought that was hysterical because it's true. Okay, the last two beliefs that can be a byproduct of overwhelm. Once I check everything off my to-do list, then I'll feel better. Once I finish this, then I'll be able to breathe. Once I get through the day, then I'll let myself rest or then I'll let myself feel pleasure or then a lot of beliefs in general are often if-then statements. Like if I do this, then everything will go to shit. Or if I don't do this, then I'll be able to, or I'll fail. You know what I mean? It's it's very um, black and white, like black and white binary thinking. And the last one that I wrote down, again, these are just examples. Yours may be different. I don't know what your self-talk sounds like, but I'm giving you examples based on what my self-talk sounds like when I'm overwhelmed. So this last one is, I don't trust myself. I don't believe that I'm capable of handling everything that's on my plate. This is a really, really big one for me because it ties into just a big fear that I've had as a child. And that's the fear of too much responsibility. Like I love having a lot of things on my plate. I love working. I love performing, or at least I've been taught that that's something to love about myself, but that's a whole different episode. And because of that, there's kind of this like line where I feel like if it's too much and I can't handle it and I'm not able to prove myself and I do fail, then that says all these awful things about me and it makes me an unworthy human. Again, it's a really long story, but there's this thing it's called like fear of responsibility. And it's when you're just afraid of not being able to handle everything perfectly. And so you don't risk it unless you know that you're going to be able to overcome it, or you're going to be able to 
accomplish it up to your standards. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but it's just this big weird thing that I have. So a lot of times, especially when it comes to like big things like hosting a retreat, sometimes I get in actually oftentimes, especially leading up to the retreat, I get into this mindset of I'm so overwhelmed because I don't believe that I'm capable of handling this project, this group of people, this big event, this retreat, this this trip. I feel like I'm going to fail at it. And because of that, I just start thinking myself into this deep, dark hole. So again, these are all just examples of beliefs that we attach to feeling overwhelmed, which, like I said earlier, is triggered by a long to-do list, feeling like you're spread too thin, feeling like a lot of people want a lot of things from you, and just not being able to grasp, quote-unquote, control of that. But the thing about mindset is that your mindset is a choice, which means that a mindset of overwhelm is a choice. Now, when my mentor first told me about this, I was kind of pissed because I hate when people tell me that my feelings are a choice because obviously they're feelings and they don't feel like a choice. It feels like they just it's just this cloud and it starts raining and you can't do anything about it no matter how much you want to. But here's the reframe to that. It doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid. And yes, it's important to validate your own feelings. And to a certain extent, your feelings are not a choice. But but even though you can't necessarily control your feelings, you can control the thoughts that lead to those feelings or the things you're thinking when that feeling comes up. It's like when you start crying, when you cry, do you just cry and let it out and move on with your life? Or do you feel shame about crying? Were you taught that crying was a sign of weakness? What else are you attaching to the tears? Does it feel embarrassing to you? All of those things, those are all thoughts. And those are often based on our childhood experiences, what we were taught growing up, how we learn to cope with things, and what our parents, our peers, society told us to think about certain feelings. I know this whole episode feels so convoluted. I hope you're with me. This is like very nuanced things. But let's get into what thoughts you can choose instead to believe about your overwhelm. Things that you can say to yourself to help you out of that mindset of overwhelm. What I did was I rewrote the earlier beliefs that I listed off, all those negative things, those stories, everything you're telling yourself about feeling overwhelmed. And I just rewrote them into something a little bit more neutral. So for example, if the original one was, if I don't accomplish everything all at once, then I'm going to let people down. You can instead say, people will be okay with waiting. It'll be good for them to practice personal responsibility and patience. That is more empowering. Do you see how it's not necessarily positive? It's just neutral and it's kind of more true. It's definitely more true because when you are enabling and when you're constantly at somebody's becking call and when you don't know how to set boundaries, you're actually taking something away from the other person, which is learning personal responsibility and how to figure things out and patience. You would be surprised at how much people can do when you just don't answer. My favorite is when somebody texts you like all the help they need. And for whatever reason, you just didn't reply right away. And then they send you another text like an hour later. And they're like, 
Never mind, I figured it out, right? It just takes, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. And sometimes people just want to write something into the abyss. Or sometimes your kid just wants to pull on your, on you and, and get your attention for not the most important reason in the world. So it's okay to take a step back. People are going to be okay. And if your belief is, if I don't accomplish everything all at once, then I'm going to be letting myself down, then I'll be a failure. And if it's, if it's more like coming from yourself, then maybe instead you tell yourself something like, I have time. I remember the first time somebody said that to me, you have time. I literally started crying because I've never given myself permission to believe that I have time. Everything always felt like it needed to be done right now. And if I didn't, then I was a failure. But you don't need to accomplish everything all at once. You need to just take it one step at a time and do things to the best of your ability and take time for self-care and remind yourself that you have time. I think in the self-help world, it is very popular to be like, life is short. You have to do all these things because life is short and it could end at any second. And that is true, yes. But if life ends, then you probably aren't going to feel overwhelmed when you're dead, right? Like it's just not going to be a thought in your mind because you're going to be dead thinking about other things. So instead, something that's just more supportive is to remind yourself that you have time. Not everything needs to get done today or tomorrow or this month. We highly, highly, this is statistically proven, we highly underestimate what we can do in the long term and overestimate what we can do in the short term. So we set these like goals for September and we think that they're all going to get done in September and we get mad at ourselves when we haven't accomplished so many goals in September. But in reality, we can do so much more if we give ourselves the time and the space and grace to let things come into fruition. Everything has its divine timing. So reminding yourself of that, I know it's not as sexy, but it is more supportive. Some other things you can tell yourself is, I deserve rest. Work is not the essence of my worth. My worth is intrinsic. It doesn't matter what I do or don't do. I'm still a worthy, valuable human being. They don't need me. This is, again, going back to what people will think if you're not serving them all the time and, or if you're not at their becking call, especially if you have children or you're taking care of somebody. Yes, your children, they need you to feed them and clothe them and nurture them, but they don't need your constant attention every second of the day. To what extent are you enabling? What kind of humans do you want to raise? What kind of example do you want to be? Even if you don't have children, this works in any relationship. Like, do you want to create a dynamic where somebody is overly reliant on you all the time? Or do you want to create a healthy dynamic with boundaries where you're both there to help and support each other, but maybe it's not as pressurized or maybe it's not like instant, right? There can be a balance and it's up to you to create that balance. And the only way to create that balance is to sometimes take a step back, you know, don't respond, leave them to play by themselves. They will be okay. Just tell them that you need time. Just take 
a moment, turn on a vacation responder. That is so, so helpful because sometimes people will just demand from you to the extent that you let them. And if you stop letting them, then people might be unhappy and get their panties in a bunch. But over time, they'll stop asking as much from you. Another one is I can feel better now by actively managing my stress levels. This is the antidote to I won't feel better until I get everything done. I need to get everything done and then I can rest and relax and feel good about myself. No, you can feel better now. You can go on a walk. You can do a guided meditation. You can clear off your desk. Sometimes the number one thing I like to do when I'm overwhelmed is actually don't do anything on your to-do list and instead prioritize the self-care first. Like first clear off your desk so that your visual space is clean or make sure you are fed a nourishing meal. Don't overdo it on the coffee. Like make sure that you're doing all of those things to take care of yourself, to make yourself feel better first and then go to tackling the to-do list. But it's not your feelings can change no matter your circumstance and you have the power to change your feelings Again, by reframing some of the thoughts that you think and the self-talk that you keep telling yourself. This next one, ooh, this is the antidote to I need to get my shit together, which I know is something that we like to say as a society, like I need to get my shit together by 9 a.m. tomorrow. The truth is that you don't have to have your shit together. What makes you think that your shit is not together? And what does that even mean? (laughs) I feel like I've been a much better human. I've just been more relaxed and funnier and I've put less pressure on myself. When I just tell myself that my shit is not together, my ducks are at a rave, (laughs) my ducks will never be in a row, and I'll probably never feel like I have it all together because there's always going to be something else and that's okay. There's no such thing as having your shit together because if one part of your life feels very, very together, then something else might feel not that way. And we're always a work in progress and that is absolutely okay. So maybe we take that phrase out of our vocabulary. Maybe we just embrace being a hot mess and let yourself live this big, beautiful, messy, and perfect life and just remind yourself that everything will always be a work in progress. I've recently realized that we're always living in the future. We're always like, oh, once I do this, for me, it's like, okay, once I finish this project or once I complete this deal or once I, I don't know, just go to the gym even, then I'll feel better. And the truth is that you have the power, again, to feel better now. There are things you can do to feel better now. It all depends on your self-talk. And last one, this one I wanted to close with, The last belief or self-talk reframe that you can practice telling yourself is stress is not always a bad thing. What you resist will persist. So if you keep telling yourself that I'm so stressed, I need to feel less stressed, I need to manage my stress, I shouldn't be this stressed, then we start feeling stressed about being stressed and then it just gets worse, right? We start layering on the stress and again, making it mean these negative, shameful, bad things about ourselves. When in reality, like sometimes stress is a good thing. Sometimes good stress leads to growth. And the difference between stress that feels heavy and awful and icky and stress that feels exciting and fun and like you're challenging yourself is believing that you are capable of handling that stress. 
when you tell yourself that I am capable of doing hard things, and when you know that the stress that you're handling is actually what you want to be doing, for example, if it's children, I'm not saying you have to feel really good about your kids all the time, but when you ultimately know that you love your kids and you want the best thing for them, then feeling stressed about raising children, that can be reframed into like just a normal thing, like part of the process. The same thing when you're in a place where you're growing your career and everything feels stressful and like it's too much. What if instead of that being bad and daunting and scary, what if instead you told yourself that I'm capable of handling this because this is what I want. This is what I'm meant to be doing. I'm capable. Just repeating to yourself that I am capable of working through this. Now, that's a totally different feeling than feeling stressed about something you don't, like a situation you don't want to be in. That's different. That's when you want to like change your circumstance and work on boundaries and finding a way out ultimately or changing your career or getting out of that relationship. But when it's something that you know in your heart that you want to be in and the path that you're walking feels really aligned to what you see your future self being as then you can instead comfort yourself by validating the fact that stress is also part of the process and not all stress is bad and what you resist will persist. So maybe if we just surrender a little bit more and just tell ourselves the best thing, my best friend is actually really, really good at this. When I tell her that I'm really stressed about, say, an upcoming retreat, the best thing that she says to me is, yeah, girl, of course you're stressed. It's a big thing. And for some reason, that just feels so validating and like a weight lifted off my chest because she just reminded me that my stress isn't bad. It's not something that I have to push away because retreats are a big thing and they take a lot out of me and I'm juggling a lot of things and that's okay. It's temporary and I'm capable of handling it. So maybe there are aspects in your life that you can apply that mindset to and reminding yourself that we don't have to resist every single negative feeling in our bodies, we can actually learn to embrace it and seen as part of this ebb and flow, part of the process, something that leads to ultimate growth because you are capable, you are worthy, you got this. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, know that it'll pass. Practice this self-talk. I hope it helps. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Love you. Bye. One last thing before we farewell, if you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.